The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Well, about two years ago, the last time I preached here, it feels like it's been that long. We were in the book of Romans. We're not going to be in the book of Romans today, but the passages of Scripture that we're looking at are directly supportive of all the principles that Paul was teaching in the first three uh, chapters of Romans about the lostness of man and the condition of mankind that uh, we see and face and deal with personally every day. So we're going to get back to that. Since I was here two weeks ago, I've served about a thousand cups of coffee. We'll have a, I have a coffee concession stand that we uh, use with ministry, and we've been to um, to uh, New Orleans to the the uh, State Baptist Convention down there at Franklin Avenue Baptist Church, and we came back the next Sunday. We went to uh, Youth Evangelism Conference back in Alexandria, and believe it or not, they wanted coffee too. And there's nothing like five thousand caffeined up kids in a worship service. So uh, I, I just felt like I had to contribute my part to that by getting them all revved up. And we uh, probably did another two to three hundred cups of um, of hot chocolate. People couldn't get enough. They always they always wanted. To, they just kept coming back for more and more. And when we were in New Orleans, it was a rainy day, and um, the, the, the days of the conference, and so the same people would reappear and get coffee over and over. And I couldn't decide if it was good, which is probably not true, because I tasted it. Uh, I couldn't decide if it was because it was hot and available, but I think maybe because it was free. Free coffee does some things, helps helps gather people together, and uh, people enjoyed it because of that. So that's what's been going on for the last couple of weeks. We've been working hard with all of that. Um, And then we did um, a very mini version this week of what we call the Texas Tour. We've been doing the Texas Tour, Karen and I, since we got married and um, way back years ago, I don't know how many years, 30-some plus years ago, and we, because our family lives all over Texas, and we would go and visit Karen's parents, then we'd go visit my mother, and then my uh, dad, all these three houses in the, the period of about 48 hours. So we would cram in three Thanksgiving meals in less than 48 hours. You ever, anybody ever done that before? Raise your hand during that. Have you done it this week? All right. The very best things that you like about Thanksgiving meals are terrible by the third day. You've had enough of it. I looked in the uh, the refrigerator this morning, and there's still gallon-sized Ziploc bags of turkey in there. I bought the smallest turkey I could find, and there's still turkey. It's everywhere. It's more more than we could possibly eat. It'll be something else by the end of the week. It'll uh, make it into soup or dumplings or something. Um, I'm in the, the middle of this, uh, I, I, we call it a Thanksgiving hangover. Now, hangover usually has a bad, a bad connotation, but uh, when you eat too much of the same thing over and over or too many rich foods, you kind of feel bad the next day, don't you? Now, the younger folks, you don't. You don't feel bad yet, but it's coming. It's coming to get you someday. Uh, there's there's uh, a, a new, I hear all these new phrases uh, that are going on in culture, and one of the newest um, conditions that people can get is post-texting hangover. 
Now, what that one is, is if someone has told too much about their personal life and too much about what's going on in a text message or in a long conversation with somebody, and the next day they have a lot of regret and they have a slight depression about it. Too much of anything can take you out, can it? It can take you out. Let's look at some, uh, some, I want to make, I want to make you feel better. You know, the first book, three books, uh, chapters of Romans, you look at that and you think, boy, I'm as bad as everybody else. It really makes you feel like the, you're grateful for being saved because you know the condition that you find yourself in as a human. And after Thanksgiving, you may feel bad about eating too much at too many houses. So let me give you uh, some, some examples here. The biggest animal ever was the blue whale. Or is the blue whale? I don't, I can't even tell you how big it is. Great big whale. They eat, well, they're 30 meters long, weigh 170 tons. They eat 3.5 tons of krill in one day. That's about the daily intake of, of a million and a half calories or 6,000 Snicker bars. 6,000 Snicker bars is a good day at a concession stand, by the way. You did good. Another one's the star-nosed mole. He eats faster than any other kind of animal. Can can see, identify his food, bite it, and swallow it in about a quarter of a second. So grabs that food fast. That's like all the, all my brothers around the kitchen table uh, with the last leg of chicken on the plate. They can get there. One of them's going to get it fast. Then we have the American pygmy shrew. His heart rate is a thousand beats per minute. And this thousand beats per minute, if he goes and he eats so much, so often, that if he goes an hour without eating, he'll die. He consumes so many calories. He's constantly consuming. These three examples from nature are good examples of humankind out of control. Now, um, if you've been very good for a long, long time and you've You've eaten well, and you've you've kept your portions small, and you eat a healthy diet, and then you splurge on a day like Thursday, or maybe all weekend, and you eat way too much. Something happens, and your your desires change, and your capacity changes, and for several days after, you're still eating too much food. Anybody experience that? Happens a lot. I want to um, read to you this to you the lyrics from this um, great American old. Um, classic song. It's only from the 70s, but it's an old one. See if you recognize this song. When I'm driving in my car and when a man comes on the radio, he's telling me more and more about some useless information supposed to fire my imagination. Anybody know what that one is? Don't, don't tell it all yet. I got two over here that know. Okay, when I'm watching my TV, a man comes on and tells me how white my shirt should be but he can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes as me. Anybody got it yet? All right, well, let's get to the chorus. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try and I try and I can't get no satisfaction. That's a condition of mankind. People who are caught up in sinful behavior are caught up in a rebellious uh, act. They, they, their satisfaction cannot be quenched. They just can't get enough. Not only, not only can they just not get enough, they seek out more 
They look for more places. You know, the last place we needed to stop on the way home yesterday was a bakery. We still did. Still stopped at Collins Street Bakery on the way home. Can't get no satisfaction. Proverbs 27.20 says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Mankind, the sinful man, the lost man, is always seeking something to fill the void in their life because they can't get no satisfaction. When I was standing in a group of 5,000 youth at this coliseum, and they were singing worship and 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 listening to to, uh, preachers preach, the gospel be shared, testimonies told, I was was praying for folks in the room, praying that those that have not been able to find their satisfaction in whatever life they are living, find it in Jesus. And hundreds did. Hundreds of students came to know Christ last weekend at at that experience because they found their satisfaction in the Lord. This is the passage I want to spend a little time with there. Let's look at 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I've got it in two different versions here, and I'll read to you from the NIV version first. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. That's where we're living right now, by the way. We're living in the last days. Anybody doubt we're living in the last days? What? Just turn on the news. Things are happening. The people, the, the world is in a, a very difficult time. It's been that way since the fall of man, but it keeps progressing. We're in this difficult time. Mark this, that there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Now this, I told you one of the trends earlier. This is the trend I want, I want to uh, throw out to you in the main part of the message here. There's a new um, condition that people are talking about. It's called main character syndrome. Anyone heard of main character syndrome? If you've been on the internet, you've probably seen it. If you may have seen it on Facebook, you might have seen it on Instagram or uh, some on TikTok. I think it's talked about the most on TikTok. Main character syndrome is a person that lives as if everyone else are co-stars in their show. They are the ones, every decision they make is the most important decision. Every thought that they have is the most important thought of the day. That uh, it would be if someone um, were to sneeze and someone else say, uh, tight and they didn't sneeze, they would say, I didn't sneeze. That's the kind of person they are. They don't see what's around them at the time. They are consumed with themselves. I know this condition exists, but I don't think it's new. I don't think it's a new thing at all. That mankind has been dealing with this issue of, of self-centeredness and caring about themselves uh, from, the, from the fall of man. That's what Paul was talking about all through this passage. People will be lovers of themselves and they're lovers of money. We know that's true. People love, uh, they love to, to uh, have things and gain things. I am in a, a lot of discussions about these generational changes, and most of the people in this room are either one of two generations. You are uh, boomers. Anybody here want to classify themselves as a, a boomer? Got a couple of boomers in here. And then Buster is kind of where I'm at, but I'm really a Gen Xer. And Gen X is everybody in those, and eh, let's say 45 to 
55 to 60 in that age. Then below that, you have the millennials, and then after that, you have the Gen Zs, and after the Gen Zs, you have the Gen Alphas that are coming along. That's the brand new ones that are coming out, graduating high school right now, the Gen Alphas. Of those groups, they all have these real defining characteristics. You know, the, 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 the earliest ones, the older folks that are uh, in the groups, they would be more stable, hold to tradition. They are uh, savers rather than spenders. They, they take care of business a little bit better. They, uh, the, they're looking to the future. Then you come along with the, this group that I'm a part of, and we're very practical, and, and we want to... Um, we, we, we like to work, and we, we just we like the, the fruits of the works. Then you get to this next group, the millennials, and the millennials like to enjoy life a lot. They want to enjoy what they're experiencing fully. They may not. They may turn down a good job in order to have a better quality of life. Then you, along you get to this this next group, the Gen Zs, and that's that 22 to 35 in that range in there. They care about money. A lot. They really want to make money. They're going to do whatever it takes the easiest way to make money. They're consumed with making money on the internet or through selling things online. Or that, that is their their theme. So don't be surprised when you see that and you experience someone because the scripture laid it out real early. It told us people were going to be consumed with themselves lovers of themselves, and they're going to love money. They're going to love things. It's, um, we give away at this conference um, at YAC, we give away earbuds. If earbuds are, you know what they are. For me, they're going to be closer to looking like a hearing aid for me than they are for like a, a radio, but there are little things that are in your ear, and there's a certain level of quality that you can buy. So we have to give away a really high level of quality to get people to come by our table and sign up uh, for our mail list. And so we, we give away Beats. Beats are very expensive. Or we give away Apple earbuds. And you still have to work hard just to get people to come and get that free thing. They want stuff. They care about their stuff. So we have people in the world that are consumed with Consumed with money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. What's the bad? That's, 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 this is a scary little message right here, isn't it? People are rough. People are rough. They're go, they're, they desire to serve themselves. Ungrateful, unholy, without love unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, and conceited. (coughs) Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. (coughs) Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Having nothing to do with such people. Uh, I made a list I was going to share with you at the end, but these are good examples of these kind of folks, what happens when you have an ungrateful heart. An ungrateful heart, a person that can't say, thank you, Lord, for what you've blessed me with. Thank you to someone else who has been nice to them. An ungrateful heart is always hungry 
and unsatisfied. They can't get no satisfaction. People who desire to serve themselves are never satisfied. They're greedy. Can't give them enough. You can't give them enough food, can't give them enough money, can't please them enough. People that are are in that state can't be happy. They're restless. They have a restless spirit. There's really only one possible cure for that. And that is surrendering yourself to the Lord. Giving yourself to Him. Now all those empty spaces in your life are filled with with satisfaction in who you are in Christ when you surrender yourself to him. So in all these next generation discussions we are having, uh, I've been having them for 30 years in my career, and in in those discussions, there's always exactly the same answer. These people need Jesus. So they are working and depending on themselves like my age, and they... They think that they know what they're doing all the time and they're practical. Um, there's going to come a day they need Jesus to help them out. There's going to be no end to that hunger for that selfish, greedy generation. They're going to need Jesus. So when those hundreds of kids come forward and receive Christ, what I see is people being satisfied in the deepest part of their spirit. Those things that were... Uh, unhelpable are now cured because of Jesus. So after Thanksgiving, you know, for for probably since August, I've been thinking today was the first day of Advent. So we're supposed to kick off Christmas season today. I thought I was going to come in, we're hanging green stuff everywhere. Been thinking about it for a week. Middle of the week last week, I looked at my phone and it said Advent season starts in December. And I'm glad because I had a Thanksgiving message to share. People who are thankful, their hearts are always full. No matter what they have, no matter how meager their means, if they are grateful for the Lord blessing them with what they have, they have full hearts. I took a group of kids in Nicaragua once and... um, we built a house for a family. This house was 20 by 20. 20 by 20 square house. It was uh, cinder block walls. We poured the concrete on, in the hole, had, the brick, had all the bricks up, poured the concrete in the middle, and just kind of smeared it out to make the floor. And then we put a tin roof on it. We left a gap at the top of the roof so that uh, the heat could escape out of that put a front door on there, actually put a a real wooden front door on the front of it, and it looked like something that I would not park my lawnmower in. That's that's how how rudimentary it was as a building. That family that, that occupied that house, it was as if it was the very best, and it probably was, the very best day of their life. They were grateful. They were believers. And they knew that Jesus supplied that for them. They were the envy of the community because they had a roof and they had a concrete floor. A thankful heart's always full. It's always satisfied. And a thankful heart becomes a generous heart. 
People that are grateful what they have, for what they've been blessed with, tend to want to give it away. They want to give and bless other people because they want to see other people in the condition that God has put them in. That they would be fulfilled. Psalms 118.29 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Psalms 9.1, I will give thanks to the Lord, to you, Lord, with all my heart, and I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Psalm 7.17, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. These active words from, from Psalms tell us to be active about giving thanks to the Father every day. When families gather together, it's, uh, it's no unusual phenomena for everybody to look. When you have a vaguely Christian culture like we live in, not everybody's a believer. Some of them kind of believe in the Lord. Some of them, and they don't live lives that follow it. But there's going to be somebody in that room that they're going to look at every Thanksgiving meal and say, would you say the blessing? You know that person? I was that person in my family for years, and now they all kind of compete. We are commanded here to give thanks to the Lord. We ought to be the people they look to. It's not a, a burden to be the one they say, would you ask the blessing? Because that, they're recognizing that your heart's full, that you've been blessed by God. They see that you know him. They know that you can talk with him. And they know that you can say things about him and to him. And you are a child of God. You're blessed by that. Here's how you get there. This passage gets us to the point that we are the people that give out blessing, that we show uh, satisfaction, that we are generous. You find it in Colossians 2, verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So if you're not thankful today, if you have a hard time saying, Lord, thank you for what you've blessed me with in life, and you can't number many things, uh, spend some time with him. Maybe the first thing you do when you wake up is you go to that kitchen table, and maybe nobody else is up at that time, and you sit down with your Bible, you open it up, and you read a couple of words, and you're reading those words from the, uh, from the Lord. The, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. You start speaking back to him in your prayer, in your prayer life, and you, you say, Lord, I'm dealing with this today. Help me with this today. Help me understand what you're doing in my life, what is going on next. Then you read a little more scripture, and, and he says some things to you from that scripture that may not even be what you ask him about. That is digging in and putting roots in your relationship with the Father. Coming here on Sunday morning, going to Sunday school, sitting in a class, four or five people sitting around you, a teacher has prepared a message, and when they, they share that message that, they are, that they're uh, prepared to, to do, and they talk to you about it, and they ask you questions, and 
Somebody answers over here, it might be something you hadn't even thought about, and then someone over here is saying the exact same thing you're thinking about, and the word confirms that God is speaking to you in your life. That is putting down roots. That's digging deep and growing. All these things that you do that invest your life in the word and in the Lord and serving him causes you to grow. And as you grow, the more you grow, the more content you'll be. The more content you are, the more thankful you will be. And the more thankful you'll be, you are, the more generous you'll be. Now, Mary Gore asked me a favor. So I've I've known her for seemed like forever, like you you folks have. And um, we were sitting around at convention talking, and I can't remember what about probably coffee. And uh, Mary said, could you preach a Lottie Moon sermon? I said, I think I will. I think I will. Lottie Moon, is about, that, that's, that's our method of giving to international missions. through the Lottie Moon some, uh, missions offering. And this is not the sermon. This is just an advertisement for the sermon coming up. I can't preach it unless we ordered that cardboard cutout. And have it on the stage with me of Lottie Moon. Have you seen it? It's about that tall. And that's her life size. She's about that tall. If I had that up here, I feel, I feel like I would have some power in the message. This, since we talked that day, and I said, yeah, I'll do that. Um, the Lord has shown me that only satisfied, quenched, Hungers are generous. So we're not going to get there to where we can even talk about giving to missions until we know that people are satisfied with Jesus. That you're full of Jesus. That you can't have any more. He's just, he's just filling you up all day, every day. When you're in that state, you're going to be you're going to be given to Lottie Moon missions offering because you're going to want more people to know about this Lord that saved you, that filled you, and that made you satisfied. In Colossians three fifteen, this is the state we get in. By the way, when we grow in Him, we're we're built up in Him, and our faith grows, and we become thankful. Colossians 3.15 tells us this, Let that peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. The peace of Christ rules our hearts once we submit to him, are dug down deep in him, grow up in him, are grateful to all that he has done for us, and then we live in peace. So we went shopping the day after Thanksgiving like everybody else does. And uh, I've stayed away from Black Friday at Walmart since 1997. It's the last time I went. Went there for a trampoline and got trampled. But I, I was looking for unhappy people when I walked in the door. I wanted to see if there were unhappy people that could not be quenched. Their hunger for things. And they were there. 
There were some there. They're all around us. All around us. Their hearts are singing, I can't get no, I can't get no, I can't get no satisfaction. They try and they try and they try because they're looking at the wrong place. Let's pray. Father, I know that there's somebody I'll run into in the next 45 minutes that doesn't know you and they can't get satisfaction in their life. And I pray that you would introduce them to Jesus. Those are people that we know. There may be people in this room. There are people listening on the radio. There are people that are watching on Facebook and they can't get any satisfaction. No marriage is good enough. No money is good enough. No job is good enough. No person that's their friend is good enough. No post on Facebook is good enough. They're not getting what they want because they're wanting the wrong thing. And Father, I pray that they would come to a a place in life. They put all their trust in Jesus. And you fill them. You fill them up to overflowing. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.